0: What an encouragement that we don't walk alone in this life. I mean, I know we talk about that. We talk about faith being a walk with Christ, but what an encouragement and a reminder to us every day that we have a God who doesn't sit some far off distance looking down upon us, but walks with us every day in every circumstance. So I'm sure as you've surmised by now, I'm not Pastor Dave. And um, Pastor Dave is home. He's resting. He's doing better and better every day, but uh, we just want to thank you for keeping him in your prayers and I'd like to take a moment just to pray for him real quickly before we start our time in, in God's Word. So if you would, bow with me one more time. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we can come before your Word and, and find a firm rock, that we can find a place of security and stability in a, an otherwise unstable and, and uh, insecure world. Lord, I, I, we think of Pastor Dave this morning. We know how eagerly he, he is to be here with us this morning. We thank you and praise you for such a shepherd you've placed in our midst. I pray you'd watch over him today, continue to strengthen his body and, re- and help him recover as he rests, knowing, Lord, that um, it's not easy for him to, to, uh, to stay uh, down when, when he feels okay. So, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to strengthen him and uh, return him to our midst. And, Lord, I pray now, even as we enter into this time in your word, that you would uh, give us eyes and ears to hear your truth to be reminded of the promises that you desire to instill upon our hearts, to to write upon our hearts that might give us the courage and the strength to live each day in a new and fresh way for you, Lord. So be among us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you have started thinking about Christmas already? It's okay, I know, Don't, don't be ashamed. You can raise your hand, I won't, no judgment. Yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm sure that if it's... Yeah, thank, well, yeah, we've got to get through Thanksgiving as well. That's very true. Uh, but uh, if, if this year is anything like the, the previous years, I'm sure we'll start to see Christmas decorations and presents on the shelves very soon. And uh, already? Wow. Well, no shock, I guess. No shock, right? Um, for me, I love Christmas. I love I love the presents. And I, I remember uh, a... Uh, an experience for me growing up was every year, we would get to go out and go shopping and, and, um, for all our presents. And for me, I, uh, I actually loved this night, but I didn't like shopping. See, what I loved was that I could pack all my shopping into one night, and at the end of the night, I got to go out for pizza with my mom. And that, uh, you know, I love food, so you could understand why I would love, I'd love this night. But she hated it because I was the one who always got impatient. I was pulling on her purse or saying, are we done yet? Or just grabbing the first present off the, the, I mean, my dad got, you know, calendars and strange pieces of clothing that didn't really fit him just because that's what I grabbed whatever I could and throw it in the cart just so I could get to the pizza. But whether you like shopping or not, the point is this. We love gifts. We love to give gifts. We enjoy the experience of receiving gifts. It's a great opportunity to appreciate the gift of of loving one another through extending a gift to each other and receiving a gift. And and as we take a look at our passage this morning, I hope we're all going to see together why the armor of God really is a gift to us from God. So I want to encourage us to open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going, to, we're going to pick up in verse 14 together. Even though we've already gone through that, we're going to pick up to kind of set a, a, um, kind of a foundation for where we're going to go. We're going to, we're going to start in verse 14. We're going to read through to verse 17. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 14, we're going to read about this gift that God extends to us, a gift that we can take up and receive as a gift. Starting in verse 14, he says this. Paul says this. He says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And then our passage. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, for many of us, we wake up each day thankful for the gift that God has given to us. For many of us, we wake up on numerous days just crying out for God to shower us with compassion, mercy, forgiveness, or maybe an an answer to uh, a painful circumstance we might be facing. And the gift we're going to be looking at today is one that's wrapped up in a much larger gift, the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God is a gift that God invites us to pick up and to receive this day. God's truth is a gift to us in a world of shifting insecurities. God's righteousness is a gift to people who deep down inside know the guilt or shame they carry around and keep hidden from others around them. God's peace is a gift to his people in a world that knows more about the breaking of peace and shalom than in keeping it. God's faith is a a gift that in in our hearts finds rest from believing in our own abilities and instead can believe in the one who created us. And finally, the, the last two gifts that we get to look at this morning, the gift of God's salvation and his word. Today, you have the opportunity to put on the helmet of salvation. As you might imagine, the helmet was very heavy for a soldier to wear. The helmet was very big, covering most of the head, even parts of his face. So it was meant for his protection in battle, and it was something he would only put on as he prepared to go out for battle, not something he would wear around the whole day. But the battle we face is every day in this world, and so we must put on our helmet of salvation every day. Now, I know we've discussed this before, but I think it's an important thing for us to take hold of. Regardless of your circumstances... Regardless of how well things are going in your life, regardless of, uh, of, of how things are not going well in your life, you're in the midst of a battle. We're all in the midst of a battle today. God's at work in and through his church. That's you and me to reconcile the world to him. In Second in Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17, we read this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God's inviting the world to be in a relationship of peace with him through the work of Jesus, and carrying this message of peace out into a hurting and broken world is what we get to do not what we have to do, what we get to do. We're blessed to receive this gift of God's forgiveness, and as a result, we can be a blessing to others by bringing this gift before them to receive for themselves. But the one who still has some power in this world, he doesn't want this. Satan's putting up a fight against this peace and message of forgiveness and reconciliation. The evil in this world is stacking up against you and me to distract us, to discourage us, and to keep us from accomplishing this ministry that Jesus has given us. The evil in this world wants us to think that we can't receive God's love because we're not worthy. Satan wants us to think that God can't use us to do great things for his kingdom. Satan wants us to believe that our life cannot really change. This is what Paul's talking about just a few verses earlier when he says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The battle has been laid out. Our battle is every day. And so we put on each piece of armor intentionally one piece at a time. If you're anything like me, I imagine you put on your pants one leg at a time. And so we put on each piece of armor each day one piece at a time. Slow down and consider each piece of armor as you put it on. When you get up in the morning and you put that armor on, slow down. Don't, Don't be so quick to throw on the whole armor of God. Consider what it is that you're putting on. And this morning, let's slow down and consider what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the helmet of salvation. As with each piece of armor, the helmet is something you must choose to pick up and put on. It's a piece of armor that's offered to us and something we receive from a gift giver, Jesus Christ. The Greek word used here is dekomai. Dekomai is a, a, a Greek word used in a certain form that, usually, that that's actually literally translated as to receive for yourself. It, hidden within this word of take up, is the meaning of, of a gift being received, a giving of a gift and a receiving of a gift, to receive for yourself. It's an invitation to receive yourself, the gift of the helmet of salvation offered to us in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul means when he's speaking to the church in Galatia when he says in Galatians chapter 3, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In in putting on Christ, you put on the armor of God, and in putting on Christ's helmet, you put on the salvation that he triumphantly offers you. Once you've accepted Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, you're set apart forever as a new creation in Christ. Don't, Don't forget Paul's words back in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. But living each day as that new creation means that we live in the confidence and assurance of our salvation, having put on Christ each day. Now, I don't want to make this point too quickly. Too often we say we're going to do something or believe something, but our feet don't follow the words that come out of our mouths. I hear more and more stories of people where there's a lack of integrity between what they say and believe and how they live. I make a New Year's Eve resolution to get in shape and then I pig out on leftover chips and dip and buffalo wings the very next day. That one's a true story. (laughs) I sign a, a community life statement in college, committing to living out a certain life of conduct in community and then completely disregard the way I live and have committed to living in that community. I say I'll take up the helmet of my salvation and then don't actually live with the hope of the assurance of my salvation. Take up the helmet of salvation, and then actually live this day with the assurance and hope of your salvation. But, but why a helmet? Why would Paul choose a helmet as the word uh, as, as uh, part of the armor of God, the helmet of salvation? Why not a wrist guard of salvation or a knee guard of salvation? You see, for a Roman soldier, the helmet would guard the head and mind of a soldier in battle. And so the helmet of salvation guards the minds of followers of Christ. Guarding our minds and having a right understanding of our salvation is vital to our ability to stand against the schemes of evil in this world. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 22, Paul charges the people of Ephesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness in putting on the new self? Are you you seeing yourself and understanding yourself as God would see you, as his forgiven child? See, Paul challenges the people of Ephesus to put off their old self by guarding their mind with the truth of their new self found in their salvation offered to them in Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, stop living the past of your old self. Stop living in the past and embrace the new beginning in the life I'm offering to you. Live in the salvation, the new life that Jesus gives to you. About um, <clears throat> six months ago, Tara and I signed up for Weight Watchers online. And this is a great diet program offered online that helps to teach and train you to eat in, in healthy portions, right? It doesn't necessarily say you have to cut all the food out of your life, but, but to eat in healthy portions. Sounds perfect for me, right? Now, I'm sure you're asking yourself, if, if, you know, right now, why doesn't he look more svelte this morning? That's a good question. The reason is that I had this membership to Weight Watchers Online, but I wasn't doing anything with it. I was a member who wasn't following the plan. I was a member who wasn't connecting with the community. I was a member who wasn't living like I was a member. The gift of salvation is free to you in Jesus Christ. And if that is a gift you've accepted, then put on your helmet this day and live as if you've been saved from your old life by Christ. Live each day believing in the truth of God's promises to you. Guard your mind from the lies of Satan that say God can't use you. Be confident in the forgiveness and salvation that Christ offers you and don't believe the thought that you'll never change. Put on the helmet of salvation that guards your mind against believing you're not worthy of God's love. Because the truth is that only God determines who's worthy of his love. And he determined you worthy of his love when he sent his son into this world to die on the cross for our sins. the helmet of salvation offers us one more thing that I'd like to talk to you about. The, the helmet of salvation brings us hope. In a world that's increasingly growing more unstable on many levels, hope is something we all have a need for, we all hunger for. Not a hope in ourselves or our circumstances, but a hope that comes from beyond ourselves. This is a hope which Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, starting in verse 3, where he says this. Regardless of our, our circumstances or the lies that Satan's whispering in your ears this morning, the gift of your salvation means that you have a future set securely in eternity where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal it away. Live in the secure hope of your salvation today, and you will not, and you will not only stand against the schemes of the devil, but you'll see God defeat the schemes of the devil. As a young man, I had, <clears throat> I had and continue to have a very cr- close relationship with my mother. She's been an incredible role model of faithfulness to Christ for me. And about 11 years ago, she had a, a tragic accident in which she fell out of an attic and fractured her skull on the cement floor of our garage. As a result of the accident, she's been forever changed. She's had to deal with challenges and circumstances that I couldn't even imagine to, to go through. She had challenges which people could notice, such as her memory loss or her hearing loss, loss of her ability to smell and taste, as well as the loss of her ability to balance. She's had to deal with other challenges that weren't as visible. She couldn't sleep well or, or, very, or for very long because the accident damaged the sleep center in her brain. She had to give up, give up her vocation as a bookkeeper because the accident damaged her ability to process, process information well. Her ability to process emotions well was damaged as well. But regardless of the changes she had to go through, my mother is a hero of the faith to me. She's a hero because her confidence and hope never wavered. Her security and her salvation never faltered. At times when I wanted to yell at God for letting something like this happen to such a wonderful woman, she surrendered herself to God's love. She surrendered herself to to God's love, confident in the security of her salvation. She may not have been wearing an actual helmet from a Roman soldier on the day of her accident, but that day and each day and every one of the days following, my mother has faithfully taken up the helmet of salvation, and as a result, she's found a life full of joy and contentment in Christ. Take up the helmet of salvation this day and find true hope, which brings joy and contentment as well as security for today and eternity. Well, God's armor is not just about uh, defending ourselves against the schemes of the devil, but but also taking the field for the offense as well. In our verse that we're looking at together in Ephesians chapter 6, I want us to take a closer look at what we're invited to pick up, which gives us a chance to move the football field down the field toward the other end zone reading again in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the first actual weapon of offense that the armor of God presents to us. But it's also the only weapon we'll need to stand against and combat the schemes of the devil. Now, the Gladius was a Roman sword about 20 to 24 inches long. Because of its length, it was reserved more for intimate and close battle. It was left for something beyond the the long pikes or the arrows. It was left for hand-to-hand combat. Growing up in my neighborhood, one of the things we loved to do in the midst of a snowy winter was build snow forts and have a, a battle with the kids who lived across the street from us. So you would spend most of the day building up this incredible snow fort, and after it was all dug out, you'd begin building up an arsenal of snowballs. Once you had a hefty stash of snowballs, the battle would actually begin. First, the snowballs would start being lobbed over the street at the other team. Then once you got impatient, you would abandon your snow fort and start chucking snowballs as fast as you can across the street, stepping out from the the snow fort. I can still remember Matt Franzi across the road, small enough and fast enough to duck and weave and avoid everything I threw his way. Well, finally, I gave up on the snowballs and went to close quarters attack of chasing him down and smushing a handful of snow in his face. The fact of the matter was that it wasn't until we got much closer to, to each other that we actually started connecting with our snowballs, or at the very least covering each other in a face full of wet snow. This is a, a lot like how Satan attacks us, isn't it? He knows exactly what buttons to push to make us angry. He knows exactly what circumstances to create to make, a, to make us anxious and worried. Satan knows how to move in close to our lives to fight the battle in a much more intimate space. Up close, he knows how to distract us and to discourage us from living a life on purpose with God. But unfortunately for Satan, that intimacy works both ways. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is powerful. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of of the heart. The word of God cuts to the core of mankind. It tells us not only who God is but who we're created to be. It reveals to us mankind's deepest desires and purposes in this world. It reveals to us who Satan is and how his attacks are inferior to every word of God. By God's words the earth was created. God's word truly is powerful. His Word gives us the promises of God to stand in the midst of any storm. And the Word of God in our lives not only allows us to defend against the attacks of the devil, but it actually deflates and destroys every lie Satan tells. And so a daily growing and intimate knowledge of God's Word places a weapon in our hand that destroys every offense of the devil and keeps us moving forward toward a transformed life with confidence. Consider for a moment an interaction between Jesus and Satan. If you've ever uh, looked for a practical way to actually live out your faith each day, pay close attention to this story found in Luke chapter 4. Shortly after Jesus was baptized by John, the heavens opened up and God declared, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Jesus heads off into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. That's not the practical tip, by the way, but some people do fast for 40 days. We're told that at the end of the 40 days, Satan came to him and tempted him. I want you to notice something, though. Notice that Satan waited until the end of the 40 days when Jesus was physically weakened by fasting. So Satan comes to Jesus, and he says in Luke chapter 4, verse 3, If you're the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. You see, Satan questions Jesus' power. Has has that ever happened to you? Have you ever noticed Satan whisper in your ear, you're not smart enough, you're not gifted enough, or you, you don't have enough money. Well, you know how Jesus responds and how we can respond? Jesus says simply, it is written. Simply and beautifully, Jesus turns to the word of God, He turns to the word of God he believes in and he puts his feet to walking where his mouth has gone. Jesus responds to Satan quoting Deuteronomy by saying in Luke chapter four, verse four, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus not only distinguishes the flaming arrows that Satan's throwing at him, but he actually pokes a hole in Satan's balloon and lets the air completely out of it. Two more times, Satan tries to tempt Jesus, and two more times, Jesus replies with the word of God. And don't miss this. In verse 13, we read, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from from him until an opportune time. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is not merely defensive, but it's offensive, sending Satan away defeated. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the gospel message. We need to preach it to ourselves and to each other every day. We need to remind each other and ourselves that we are sinners saved by God's grace. We're sinners who are saved by God's grace, and we are his children who he has fearfully and wonderfully made. We're sinners saved by God's grace, children of the creator who fearfully and wonderfully made us and calls us his masterpiece, created to do good works. When you look in the mirror, you see the distortion that Satan wants you to see. But don't look at that distortion. If you were to stand on the bank of a river or lake and want to spear a fish, you wouldn't throw your spear directly at the fish as you see it. Why? Because the fish's true location is distorted as you look at it through the water. You have to aim your spear a little beneath the fish. This is what we must be aware of when Satan throws his flaming darts. You see, the image you see in the mirror is the image of a sinner who may not be the fastest, smartest, or best at something. But this is our image distorted by Satan as we look in our mirrors. We need to correct our aim with the word of God and aim a little lower beneath the surface to hit our targets. We need to cut through the distortion and the lies with the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, yes, you're a sinner, but you're saved by God's grace. You're a child of God who he has fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. The sword of the spirit is the only weapon you need to stand against the schemes of the devil. Memorize God's word. Tuck it away in your heart. Meditate on it day and night. Write it on a three by five card and carry it with you. Stand on the promises of God and you will stand against the schemes of the devil. So there you have it. The whole armor of God. It's a gift that's free to you in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting there this morning not certain if this gift is available to you because you're uncertain of whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, pull me aside after the service. I'd be honored to talk to you more about starting that relationship with Christ today. Realize that with a relationship with Christ, you have the opportunity to to be clothed with Jesus Christ as your armor. Every morning before you get out of bed, put on the whole armor of God. Fasten on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness. Prepare for wherever your day may take you by putting on the shoes of the gospel of Christ's peace. When you're grabbing your cup of coffee on the way out the door, grab your shield of faith. Pop on your helmet and cover yourself in the triumphant salvation given to you and won for you by your Savior. And finally, take up for yourself the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who who triumphantly won salvation and offers it to us this day. Lord, I pray for us today that we would have the strength to put on the whole armor of God, to allow our feet to go where our mouths have gone, and to live each day in the hope and the assurance of our salvation. To not only be guided by the Word of God, but to allow the Word of God to combat the schemes of the devil in our lives. Lord, that we might stand with a truth every time we hear a lie whispered into our ear as we heard earlier in the service. Father God, may we tuck away your word on our hearts and may we we walk in the strength that you offer us as we put on Christ this day, as we put on the whole armor of God. May we go out from here today, Lord, in that assurance.